Whether you're a pro athlete, an exhausted parent, or you spend all day in an office chair, CBDMD wants to give you the support you need to make it through the day. CBD Freeze and Recover are an outstanding duo of topical products with specialized formulas to provide targeted relief where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try Freeze, Recover, and every other CBDMD product, you can take 25% off your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code NBA for 25 25% off your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA, the daily podcast covering everything you want to know about the association. On Wednesdays, I'm your co-host Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter and the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. And I'm John Corrales, at Reds Army underscore John on Twitter, and I host the Locked On Celtics podcast. Full night of action here in the NBA. We're going to recap it all for you. You didn't watch every game. We did, though, even while covering some of our games, too. And uh, it was pretty fun. So let's dive into it. First game up, we had the Magic losing to the Portland Trailblazers 106-97. We're going to let the hosts of Locked On Magic and Locked On Blazers take it away. What up, y'all? To pass first point guard, a host of Locked On Blazers, Mike Richmond, coming to you live on Tuesday night after the Portland Trailblazers beat the Orlando Magic 106-97 at the Moda Center. Carmelo Anthony had 23 points. Damian Lord had 36, including 18 in the third quarter. And the Blazers beat a heavily depleted Magic team that were down to their fourth point guard by the start of the second half. This wasn't really about the style points. There were very limited style points in here. Blazers couldn't quite put the Magic away ever. Uh, Nikola Vucevic had a big game. They just couldn't handle him inside. But it's all about substance for the Blazers. They took care of business. Beating bad teams is their formula. They did that tonight against the Magic. Now it's on to close out this mini homestand with two home games, beginning Thursday against Philly and then Friday against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Check the Lockdown Blazers for more. Hello, this is Philip Rossmark, the host of the Locked On Magic podcast, here with a quick recap of the Orlando Magic's 107-96 loss to the Portland Trailblazers. What is there to say at this point? Um, another, not devastating injury, but another difficult injury hitting this roster hard. Um, Cole Anthony going out with a shoulder injury in the second quarter, leaving the Magic with just one point guard and, frankly, uh, very few options. Only nine active players in the second in second half, and even then... The Magic have no answers when Nikola Vucevic is not in the game. Nikola Vucevic ended up playing 41 minutes in this game, including the entire second half. Give the Magic credit for their fight. They did a lot of really good things in this game. They had some strong defensive moments. Sure, Portland missed some threes, uh, going eight, uh, shooting 18 for 46 from beyond the arc, um, making more than half of their shots from beyond the arc. So the Magic did some good things defensively to keep themselves in the game, but they can never really make a run. They just, they just don't have the players to do so right now. The offense really devolved into just Nikola Vucevic and Terrence Ross trying to get things going, and that's just not a consistent way to score. The Magic just don't have the weapons and don't have the ability to keep pace with teams, and frankly, they just don't really have the consistency right now. All hats off to Nikola Vucevic uh, for playing, for battling this entire game. Um, you know, obviously, I think a lot of people have more respect for him than ever before, uh, but the Magic fought hard, but the fight's not enough right now. Uh, tune into Locked On Magic later on uh, for a complete recap of this game, plus a whole lot more. We'll see you a little bit later. Magic situation sounds a little dire. Quick question for you, John. Any, you think they maybe need to blow it up a little bit there? I've been saying that for a while now. 
and not because, not just because the Celtics could stand to use one or two of their players, <laughs> uh, but, but I, I just think it makes sense. Uh, it, it, the The Magic are in a spot now where the the pieces that they have, the looking at the rest of the East, the timing is just not right for these guys. This group of guys is not going to ascend to the top of the East anytime soon. So you might as well take them while their value is high and start again. I mean, I hate to say that for Magic fans. I I like Orlando. I think it's it's a great arena. I think it's a great fan base, but. It's time. It's just time. Uh, look, Vucevic puts up 27 in there. They've just got nothing going in this. And, of course, another injury to them, this time to Cole Anthony, doesn't really make the rest of the season look particularly promising. Moving on, no. we've got the Spurs taking on the Golden State Warriors. Big win for Golden State, 114-91. Let's let Locked On Spurs recap this one for you. This is Jeff Garcia with Locked On Spurs here to give you a quick react to the Spurs' loss to the Golden State Warriors. It was big last night to Golden State, 114-91, continuing their troubles on the second game of a back-to-back. Heading into the contest, the Spurs were coming off a huge win over Golden State in the home-home series, beating Golden State in that first game. But However, in the second game, the Spurs fell to 0-4, and in the second half, the wheels simply came off. The Spurs' defense could not stop the Warriors' three-point barrage as Golden State finished 17 for 40 on three-pointers and shot 46% overall. They also shot an effective field goal percentage of 55% uh, for the game versus San Antonio. The Warriors went on a 20-2 run in the third quarter, which all but put a nail in the coffin for the Spurs, something they did not need right before heading off to their annual rodeo trip, which keeps them away from San Antonio for about a month. The Warriors extended the lead to 86-65 to in the third quarter. And from that point on, it was just all Warriors. In a nutshell, in the second half, the Warriors scored 64 points to the Spurs, 41. And that's all she wrote. The Spurs also did not help themselves uh, by turning the ball over 14 times. Something the Spurs could not afford versus Golden State. You turn the ball over 14 times. You let the Golden State Warriors get loose from the three-point line and totally see your defense go away in the second half. Well, there's a reason why the Spurs lost 114-91. to The Spurs, as mentioned, will start their rodeo trip against Atlanta Friday night. Hopefully the Spurs can get off that trip on the right foot. To subscribe to Locked On Spurs, simply go to Spotify, Radio.com, or iTunes. Yeah, I don't know if anything else really needs to be said about that game. Steph Curry with 32 points on the night. And then in to wrap up the first segment of today's show, the Pels taking on the Houston Rockets. Big win for New Orleans, who's now won four straight, 130-101. John, have you seen any Point Zion so far? What have you thought? <laughs> I love Point Zion. I love anything Zion. It's just funny because sometimes I watch him and I'm like, Oh my God, that dude is a brick wall. Like, you know, he's huge, uh, but you see him yes. and you're like, oh my God. Sometimes it's just when he was sitting down, I'm like, his calf muscles are like watermelons. It's just gigantic. <laughs> but yeah, to see a guy that big out there dropping dimes, uh, just playing a great all around game, it's it shows you why the, the future is, you have a lot to be excited about uh, down there in New Orleans. 
Yeah, seven assists for him, which ties his career high. The Pelicans this season are 5-0 and when he dishes out five or more dimes. And you're seeing them run the offense through him. He brings the ball up the court, and it just makes him so much more of a focal point for the offense and forces teams to immediately account for him. And you can't then scheme him out of things, right? Because he's got the ball in his hands. Uh, and it's working. They've won 4-0. They play again tonight with a chance to make it 5 for the Houston Rockets. John Wall had a, a strong game putting up 25 points in this one. Eric Gordon, 23. And, like, there's just nothing going for the Rockets right now who, since that Christian Wood injury, have really hit a bit of a skid. So more action coming up around the association tonight, including a shocking loss uh, for the Nets and... Fun seeing Derrick Rose back in action for the Knicks. We've got all of that and more coming up here in Locked On NBA. This episode is brought to you by 1010. Now, you may have read about this in the New York Times or in Style Magazine, maybe even Forbes, and we're excited to tell you about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring. They're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com, and when they're gone, they are gone. We all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're ready to mark a special commitment or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings is now available exclusively at BlueNile.com. So we're covering everything you need to know about the NBA, but what about the rest of sports, like all sports? Now, the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. All right, back to recapping the night of action around the association for next game up, not first game up, next game up, 98-96, Heat beat the New York Knicks. Let's let Locked On Heat take it away. This is David Ramil of Locked On Heat. Miami won their third straight game, a back-and-forth affair over the New York Knicks that the team desperately needed. Jimmy Butler was a difference maker, of course, leading the team with 26 points, but it was particularly obvious without Butler on the floor that the team's offense and defense would just fall apart. He did everything possible to carry the team to a win. Meanwhile, Bam Adebayo wasn't able to hit much from the floor, but at the very least, he was able to draw fouls consistently from New York's bigs as he attempted a total of 16 free throws. But Duncan Robinson is the concern moving forward as he continued to struggle, going 0 for 7 on the night and shooting just 32% over the last 10 games. While defenses do seem to be keying in on him, he's getting many of the same looks that he did last season when he shot historically well. So there's a possibility of an undisclosed injury or perhaps just a confidence issue that seems to be clearly affecting him. But one thing's for sure is that the Heat are going to need Duncan to turn it around and quickly as they prepare for a seven-game road trip that's the longest in franchise history. For the Knicks, they had a chance to win this one late. You had Julius Randle, who I'm on like the Julius Randle like love love train. That sounds a little weird, but we've talked about <laughs> it here, here. He missed the game when he shot like that tough contested like mid-ish range jumper that you just don't want to be taking kind of ended up sinking them. But disappointing in Derrick Rose's return to the Knicks and to playing under tips. Yeah, but you know, look, the Knicks for a while showed that they were they they were just the tougher team. Uh, they they were playing pretty well. Their defense, which has been good this season, uh, was was I think 
doing its job against against Miami. There's a stretch there in the third quarter where uh, it was only Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler scoring, I believe it was, and we didn't get another Miami Heat player scoring until like seven minutes to go in the game. Uh, Kelly Olynyk had 17 points in the first half and then was held scoreless until a clutch bucket bucket down the uh, in late in the fourth quarter. So it was a pretty good effort from the Knicks. It's just that Miami finally started making some plays down the stretch and the, the Knicks had opportunities, but you know, the, the, the better team, I know they're not better necessarily record wise, but the better team, the better talent just shown through at the very end. Yeah, it's it's kind of what it was. And look, they were in it and they, and they had a chance to and couldn't get it done. Also, the no look dime that Derrick Rose dropped in this one kind of vintage him, which was pretty fun to see. Uh, one of the later games on the night, which ended up being one of the more fun games, I thought, and I watched all of this one 76ers over the Sacramento Kings, 119 111. Sacramento Kings, who came into this 7 and 1 in their last eight games, looking pretty good in like a competent basketball team, which you don't often get to say about the the Kings. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, 34 points for him, 10 assists on the night. He was excellent in the uh, 76ers had no way to really kind of contain him in this one. But this kind of goes back to what you were saying on the last game. 76ers, just the better team. Joel Embiid dropping 25 and 17 rebounds. You got strong games from Tobias Harris. Seth Curry is an unbelievably underrated acquisition for this this um, 76ers team, too. He finished with 22 points on the night. Can you just... We don't give Seth Curry enough love for his progression as a player for a guy that was bouncing around, that was in the G League, could barely get any sort of uh, traction in the league, and now all of a sudden, he's probably the glue on this um, Philly team. Now, obviously, Joel Embiid is Joel Embiid, like MVP candidate. Simmons has you know, he's he's readjusting to a sort of kind of like new role as is the clear number two, but without a guy like Curry out there banging three pointers, the rest of this doesn't really work. Uh, so let's give that guy some love and not just give his brother who is an okay shooter too, the, the okay entire dude, spotlight. Right? <laughs> uh, so here, here's a here's a stat for you: the 76ers are 15 and three when Seth Curry plays this season. Like that tells you oh, wow. a lot, right? Like you talk about him needing That's... a little bit more credit. Uh, dude is having a. I don't know if he's having a breakout season, if you want to call it that, but he has been really, really good for them this year. Um, but I want to ask you this in a bit of a buy and sell, which we can do here and we'll probably do a little bit in the next segment. Joel Embiid's been really good this year and I thought he was excellent in this game too. Do you, are you buying or selling that he could be an MVP candidate? MVP candidate for sure. Probably not the MVP. Uh, but he, I mean, if he keeps doing what he did uh, tonight, or, or or Tuesday night, the you know twenty five points, seventeen rebounds, and still dropping six assists. Uh, that that's the type of performance that is certainly going to be uh, probably a, a top. I don't know three guy, yeah. and I know there's some there's there are a lot of names that people want to jam in here, and there are a lot of worthy names, but 
We're looking at a the best player on the best team in the East. In the next segment, we'll talk about the best player in the best team in the West and why that's not an MVP candidate. But on this team, it's very obvious that without Joel Embiid, like everything else I said before applies, but that allows Joel Embiid to be his best self. And Curry, certainly, if, if Embiid does somehow win the MVP, you got to cut like the arm off of the trophy and give that <laughs> arm to Seth Curry as just a little nod to what that extra space allows Embiid to do. My only question, my only question with Embiid is will the face-up portion of his game continue to translate later in the season or will that level off and will his MVP candidacy kind of trail off with it? No, that's a good question, and that's probably like the one thing that you know, other than injuries, that would maybe cause it to fade a little bit. But he's got to be. I, I, if I were doing MVP like a list right now, I think I'd have him number two behind LeBron James. LeBron, you're number one right now. Yeah, LeBron. You know, then the rest is you know your Jokic. Yep. Embiid, you know, Steph is in there. Those those types of guys, yeah. But I, it's it's LeBron right now. Also, the narrative of his age and everything, too, is really going to help him because I think voters love to kind of see something like that. And while maybe there's like a, been a LeBron fatigue in the past or you've kind of had Giannis fatigue and one of the big reasons why I don't think he'd win it no matter what this year. I don't know if that really applies to LeBron, but Embiid has got to be in this category and in that conversation. And as you mentioned, coming up in the next segment, though, there's two more games from last night that we want to get to including your Celtics taking on the Utah Jazz, who now have the best record in the NBA, and the MVP conversation around them is really interesting too. So that's all coming up here next on Locked On NBA. Today's episode of Locked On NBA is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are all in full swing. And BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality television. They have real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Plus, BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code locked on. Again, that is a promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. March Madness is next month, but the future of the NBA is on display right now. Get a head start on next year's draft analysis by subscribing to the GOAT, Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast. Draft guru Chad Ford has his first big board of the year out with profiles of Cade Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, and more. Subscribe to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So big shock of the night was the Detroit Pistons over the Brooklyn Nets, 122-111. We're going to play the Locked On Now hits from Locked On Nets and Locked On Pistons because they're two very different ones, and I think these are kind of fun to listen to -to back-to-back. Adam here with Locked On Nets podcast. Once again, that old-fashioned feeling we had against the Washington Wizards, Brooklyn, just a no-show really across the board against the Detroit Pistons tonight. They came out soft, came out lackadaisical, didn't give you perimeter defense, which exposes the defense on the interior even worse in a game like this. It's a matchup where on paper, even without Kevin Durant, you should be easily destroying a five-win team. Instead, you give the Pistons their sixth, and there's just 
a lot not to like about it because it comes down to effort, comes down to energy, comes down to focus, comes down to being prepared to take on a team that is well below 500. Instead, Brooklyn continues this trend of not showing up against bad teams around the NBA. You can hear Doug and I break this all down on the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. What's up? It's Matt Shook from Locked On Pistons. Hey, the Pistons get the win 122 to 111 over the Brooklyn Nets. Let's see, we got the Nets, we got the Lakers, the Suns, the Sixers, the Heat, and the Celtics as well. That's only six wins, but that's six pretty good teams. And the Pistons are making them count in the win column as sparse as they might be. Jeremy Grant, 32 points, ties his career high. He's proving that he is a worthy consideration for the All-Star game. Probably won't make it, but Pistons fans are enthusiastic about sending him as they should be. Um, Sadiq Bey in the fourth quarter was great. Also, we also know that uh, Kevin Durant is ducking the Pistons, that's for sure. And uh, we miss Bruce Brown here in Pistons land. But a win is a win. We'll take them anytime we can get them. 6-18, and 18, but a nice night at Little Caesar Arena. This is Matt Shook from Lockdown Pistons. Check us out. So what I love about those last two clips, John, is the Nets are just like, this sucks. This team needs to show up, and this is disappointing. And the Pistons are basically like, yeah, that's basically what this was. The Pistons have six <laughs> wins wins on the season, and it's not like they really deserve to win this game. I mean, they did because the Nets didn't show up to this one, and that's going to be a problem for the Nets going forward. But they, they kind of understand that it's like a fluke and normally this wouldn't be the case and sometimes that self-awareness makes me laugh yeah it's true it's true and, and Steve Nash admitted it he he did say uh before the game that sometimes against lesser competition they don't take their defensive uh, assignments seriously they don't they don't put in that same effort and they let the worst field goal shooting team in the NBA shoot 50 six percent against them uh which is just ridiculous and 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 that's exactly what it was and now the question is like we make our our jokes about the brooklyn nets but the the real question here is is this concerning is this part of the concern for the brooklyn nets or is this just a well good teams go and play bad teams and have letdowns and while this is one of those things the, the the defensive issues are exacerbated but against better teams, we we've seen them play better. Uh, I don't know. I think I think there's a little in between here. It, there there is still a, some level of concern, uh, but I am also willing to just kind of blow this off to you know the Nets. The, the Nets clearly didn't try. There was a, a point there where uh, James Harden and um, DeAndre Jordan were kind of like bickering at each other yeah that that's more that's the more important thing to me like watching is that something because as that was happening i was like huh well jordan is kevin durant and kyrie irving's guy he's not james harden's guy yeah so harden harden has no reason to be like oh yeah i'm cool with with dj so i'm i'm not trying to make this a big deal but i'm just kind of like file it away let's see let's see what becomes of this it's, it's interesting that you, you kind of mentioned that stuff. And Kyrie Irving said after the game, and I'll quote it here, quote, we're the team that gets someone taken out during co- uh, during COVID during the games. We're the team that has to deal with the refs. We're the team that is battling against so many odds, end quote, and kind of painting himself and this team as the victim here, which is like not the case at all. And this is all what they wanted Give in me the first a break. place. Right? Yeah, that, that quote is, is so, it's almost as obnoxious as Shaq trying to take credit for what Donovan Mitchell has been doing recently. Like, 
that's the type of stuff that concerns me with the Nets more than anything else. And that's the type of stuff that Steve Nash was kind of talking about, as he said, after this game, they need to figure out who they are and what kind of team they are. Are you the victim? Are you the dominant team? But yeah, it's a big eye roll to that comment, isn't it? Uh, A huge eye roll to that comment. Give me a break. Kyrie like battle come on what what odds what odds are you battling they asked it's for you, this too right like Durant. this is what they wanted like how can you possibly it's you Durant yeah he's out uh you got James Harden like you got three of the best players in the world and you're sitting there trying to make it an us like the world's against us like cut it out I'm not, I'm not going to get started. I'm not going to get started. because <laughs> You do a whole segment on that. All right, let's get you started on something else, though, and that's the Utah Jazz beating the Boston Celtics 122-108. Let's get your start on this. I'll play what David Locke had to say after uh, this game as well, but I'm curious to see your take on Boston, what happened to them in this game. Well, the, the Celtics, they certainly gave themselves an opportunity here, but I think really what it boiled down to for the Celtics was they, they gave up so many second and third chances to the Jazz that they they kind of took away their opportunity to come back in this. And, you know, in the fourth quarter, the, the story was the Celtics just giving up a lot of really bad fouls on top of all of that. And when the Celtics were trying to make their comeback, they put the the Jazz into the, the penalty uh, gave them penalty free throws very early in the quarter. And later on, when the Celtics were cutting it down to, uh, they cut it down to four. Grant Williams, seven and a half minutes to go, kind of stupidly hip checks Joe Ingles, you know, uh, uh, coming across the lane. Off the ball, meaningless, dumb foul. A, a run that had cut their lead to four. Suddenly it's back up to six. And the Jazz get a chance to sub in Rudy Gobert for favors instead of having to call a timeout. That little thing stopped a Celtics run that was going to make them, uh, that, that was going to potentially give them a chance to win this game. Uh, the Jazz were, were obviously very much the better team. The Celtics did some very dumb things that they could have avoided to give them a better chance to win this game. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's a good way to put it. And you you saw the Jazz really close well down the stretch, too. And that's going to kind of get into what I want to talk about here in just a minute. Let's play the clip from David Locke, though, his take on the Jazz win, host of the Locked on Jazz podcast. The Utah Jazz won their 16th game in their last 17 with a defeat of the Boston Celtics. Brad Stevens came out with an interesting defensive game plan, playing two bigs and switching everything, and the Jazz annihilated it. Once again, the opponent had to pull a ripcord on their defensive game plan. Tonight was the Jazz' best offensive game of the year, led by Donovan Mitchell's 36 points. Joe Ingles had 24. Rudy Gobert's defense was remarkable late in the game, but once again, it was the third quarter for the Jazz, the number one third quarter offense in the NBA, the number one third quarter team in the NBA, and that's when they stretched it out. Jazz hold the best record in the NBA, having won 16 of their last 17. For more on the Jazz, visit Locked On Jazz on the Locked On Podcast Network. So obviously he's going to be very high on the team, John. And look, Utah is sitting pretty with the best record in the NBA at 20-5 right now. And you've now seen them kind of up close to some degree. 
you buying this team as like an actual title contender, a team that can compete with the Lakers in the West and whoever it would be coming out of the East? Yeah, I, I, I certainly think that they they would have a, a strong chance. Obviously, I think the Lakers have the the two best players in that series, so mm-hmm. the Lakers would be favored. But the 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 Jazz have a very strong overall team that can really really test anybody's defense. Like well, the one thing that stands out, and we've talked about a few of these these guys before on this podcast, like we know Donovan Mitchell. Like Donovan Mitchell had 36 points and nine assists, but I don't even look at Donovan Mitchell when I look at why the the Jazz were able to run away with this game. I look at Joe Ingles, who who had a big game hitting huge shots. I look at Bogdanovich, who was attacking the rim early on like he was LeBron. Two dunks and a half and almost the third. Like that was that you never see that from Bogey. Royce O'Neal type of uh, performance, his normal type of performance. It's these other guys. And obviously Gobert changes so much of what your team is trying to do. I've I saw the Celtics get past defenders and look at Rudy Gobert and go, nope, I'm going to go the other way. <laughs> and and it doesn't go down as a challenge. It doesn't go down as a block. It doesn't go down as any sort of statistic. But if it was, you know, mess your pants, if that was a statistic, Rudy Gobert would probably lead the league in that and making other teams, like, crap themselves when they turn a corner. And, and Brad Stevens said it before the game. The Jazz whole defense is geared towards funneling players towards Gobert. As it's been for a very long time, too. Right. And so you feel good about turning a corner, and then it's like, oh, crap. And meanwhile, in in the technical parlance, it's called veering. It's like a late switch. So Gobert comes over. He switches onto your guy at the last second. The Jazz defender, whoever it is, then rolls off and picks up who um, Gobert was defending, and now there's no dump off. Now there's the, there's no there's no passing lane. It's it's a very connected style of defense that leaves you facing a strong uh, shot blocker, one of the best rim protectors in the league, maybe the best. It's it's a it's an amazing defense that that can really really take away a lot of what you're trying to do. And then on top of it, they go out there and they put up 48 three-pointers <laughs> and shoot 37. Like, they, they made 18 three-pointers. Three 48 of their three-pointers, uh, four, 48 of their shots were three-pointers. It's an insane number. Yeah, they've like kind of modernized the offense to some degree, right? With with the bombing away from three that they do, and they're an unbelievably good three-point shooting team, and they've kind of done this all season. Plus, they have a lot of... You have Donovan Mitchell, who's your closer, and you saw it in this game, right? 36 points from him. He was incredible in this one down the stretch. But you have a lot of secondary ball handlers and secondary creators. You mentioned Bogdanovich being aggressive early and attacking the rim, also being able to kind of create for others in a sense that way, too. That's what looks really good to me with them you know you can probably survive it or they can probably survive an off night from Donovan Mitchell and still go out and win and beat quality teams if they needed to because 
there's like I don't want to call it odd depth because none of this is necessarily weird, right? But they're just like a deep team. They're very deep, and what they didn't have was Mike Conley in this game. Getting who is that's a good point. Yeah, he's a plus. 19.3 overall with him on the floor, the Jazz are. Uh, and, and his, we, we didn't see a lot of offense from Rudy Gobert. He, he kind of, I, I don't want to say padded his stats. The Celtics in the last three minutes of this game just kind of were like, all right, we're done. And it just became a Mitchell to Gobert kind of dunk fest over the last couple of minutes. So that 18 points that he, that he dropped was a little, uh, misleading. Gobert wasn't a huge part of the offense. He did he have like a couple of putbacks, which were really clutch. But Gobert is much more part of the offense when uh, Conley is is running the point. And Conley and Gobert, that relationship. I had David Locke on the Lockdown Celtics podcast before this game. So on the Tuesday shows, if anybody wants to listen to that, that explanation of the Utah offense – he said it's that relationship between Gobert and Conley that's that's really kind of allowed Conley to grow into the player that they had hoped he would be last year, and and Gobert to kind of feast in in that in that partnership in the pick and roll. So the Jazz man, I, there's no single player here that I'm going to put in the top five in the MVP conversation. Gobert right now probably. Is is you know all of the Miles Turner talk was fine, but it's Rudy Gobert is the defensive player of the year right now. Um, Mitchell is going to be an All NBA guy, and they just have depth and high high quality role players. They they didn't even have a good shooting night from from Clarkson in this game, and he's been such a huge part of of their offense. Jazz are really really good. Yeah, I, look, I'm with you. I think you summed it up well. Like, I, I, I could see them beating the Lakers in a series. I don't know if that will happen, and that could be a very fun Western Conference Finals. I think they are that good, and I'm really buying into this could, team. And Mitchell's could, been outstanding all year long, I think, for them. I, it could come down to who has home court. Yeah. it. You know, this is a potential seven-game series if it's Utah and the Lakers each team has a very, very strong case. Their point differential is pretty much the same. Their home records are the same. I, their road records are good. Everything is is pretty even. A game seven in Utah in that altitude, potentially with more fans by the time we get to that, that point, that could be the difference between the Jazz and the Lakers. At this point, it seems getting to the NBA Finals. Well, if you want to hear more about the Utah Jazz, of course, you'll get David Locke on here tomorrow, and he also hosts the Locked On Jazz podcast. And if you want to get any more about any of the teams we've talked about in tonight's show, today's show, make sure you check out the local podcast as well, covering your favorite team and every other team around the league. I think that's as good of a spot as anywhere to wrap up, John. So on Wednesdays, I'm your co-host, Jake Madison, at Jake on Twitter and the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. And I'm John Corrales. I host the Locked On Celtics podcast. You can find me on Twitter at RedsArmy underscore John. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back with you all next week.